0: Where I get my resilience from, I have to say, it's my mom. She's a strong woman. But at the same time, you know, because of what I see and what I encounter people I meet, for example, you, because I learn from people that I meet and learn from people's experience, I feel like that's contributed to my resiliency. And I am thankful for that.
1: Welcome to the Journey here, a podcast that profiles the stories of community builders from all walks of life. I'm your host, Steve Dooley. Welcome everybody. My guest today is my, my very, very good friend Q Kunyamupo. Q, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you, Steve.
1: How are you doing today?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: I'm doing very, very well. Thanks for joining us. Now, I guess, how long have we known each other? It's been about six or seven years now?
0: Yeah, since 2013, I believe.
1: 2013, so yeah, almost actually eight years. And uh, we'll talk a little bit of how we met. We met through the uh, refugee research project we were doing for the city of Surrey, and we will talk about that. When we met, were you connected to Invigary, the Adult Learning Centre?
0: No, I finished high school, and I Mm -hmm. was... Do it a few courses, and I was working part time at uh, Starbucks. But um, it was through a Welcome Center.
1: Mm, right.
0: Someone named Candy Marvel at the Candy time. Candy Marvel. Yeah. yeah. She told me about this research project and she asked me to apply, and I did.
1: And I'm glad you did, and you did an amazing job. And we'll we'll talk more about that, but. Could you tell us just a little bit about your background, where you're from, where you were born, if you don't mind starting there?
0: Sure, yeah, so I was born raised in Korean refugee camp in Thailand, I say Korean refugee camp because most camps were Korean people, and I lived there my whole life pretty much. Then I came to Canada about thirteen years ago
1: so actually. Born in a refugee camp. We're, do you have brothers and sisters?
0: Yes, I do. I have two sisters and a brother.
1: Were they born in the refugee camp?
0: My older sister and my brother, they were born in current state. But my other sister and myself, we were born in,
1: in the refugee camp. So how long were you in the refugee camp for? Like you, you before, when you came to Canada, but how long was it in the refugee camp?
0: 14 years. 14
1: years. And can you tell us a little bit about what it was like in the refugee camp for you and your family?
0: Right. So in the refugee camp, our lab, we had a very simple life. We lived in a bamboo-built house, and we didn't have any access to electricity or telephone or TV or computer. Uh, we lived very, very simple in a village-based environment, and we. We're not allowed to leave the camp because we are asked to stay there as long as we could. The only time when we left the camp was when we applied to come to Canada and they asked us to go to a hospital in one of the cities in Thailand to get medical testing done.
1: So can you just give me a sense of the scale of the size of the refugee camp How many people were there? What kinds of things did you do?
0: My camp was one of the smallest ones. Uh Before I left uh, to come to Canada, there were seven camps, but now it's like nine refugee camps now. Uh, So the size was not that big. There were about, I don't know exactly the number, but it was in my camp, it was about 10,000 houses Uh in what we did so we we had school we a very basic education system we would go to school and come home and care for our animals and we had garden as well so we took care of that and some people have the time to participate in sport events and hang out with friends and we usually went to the river and swam together uh, we would go to the forest sometime to collect, you know, herbs and vegetables for dinner and for the next day meal preparation. Things Mm -hmm. like that. So, nothing evolved technology. We played so much outside. It was a fun experience.
1: Hmm. And so, tell me about the animals. What kind of animals did you have?
0: So, I had chickens. I had pigs. I had goats. I had dogs and...
1: Cats. Nice. So, imagining the, the the size of the so the bamboo hut you were describing, how how many rooms did it have?
0: So we had like one bedroom, one big bedroom, and uh-huh. we had a, a living room. We had a small kitchen. So that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, houses were not meant to be built for a long term because you know it was refugee camp. Uh-huh. Every three years or so, we had to rebuild a new house and houses were not that big, but we lived together like that. We slept in the same room, we ate together and we cooked together.
1: Is it hard kind of looking back to talk about the refugee camp experience or is it something that's pretty easy for you? I'm just curious.
0: It was, I would say it health and health. Uh When we lived there, everybody lived like that, so... It was easy, you know, you have it to wake up very early in the morning to prepare, you know, to cut wood and to make fire, to get water from, you know, nearby river. And it took time, you know, like here you wake up and you go to the kitchen, you turn the, the knob on and, you know, you get the fire. But over there you had to make everything with hands. So for us, when we lived there, it didn't feel like it was difficult, but after being here for more than 10 years, looking back and I was like, it was a difficult life.
1: Mm.
0: It's not that easy. And now that I'm here for this long, when I went back in December 2019, I couldn't do what what I could do back then. It was a shame.
1: Mm. So you go back and you said December 2019? Right. So just before COVID.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. So why did you go back and yeah, what was it like going back for you? You've kind of alluded to it a little bit already, but what was the circumstances that you went back?
0: I went back just to visit my cousins, uncles, because they are still there in the refugee camp. Hmm. But also for me personally, I wanted to go back because eventually I want to do some work in current state um, to work with you know, children and young adults. So that was my main reason. I have to say, it was a lot of changes. But when I went back, not only went back to the refugee camp I grew up, but also went back to current state where my mom grew up. Mm. I spent three weeks in my mom's village and they have a very similar life to what we did in the refugee camp, except they didn't get rice every month. Instead, they have to do farming to get rice if you know what I mean Mm -hmm. have rice field that they have to work on in order to get rice they have to prepare firewood and make fire and cook and do farming pretty much the whole year in order to survive for the next uh, year in the refugee camp I have noticed so much changes people started to have phones and they have computer much different than when I left the camp.
1: Hmm. You talked about going out of the uh, refugee camp one time to do medical stuff to perhaps get to go to Canada. How did it happen that that you picked Canada or did Canada pick you? Like, how does that actually happen? And is that an opportunity that most people had to leave the camp or how does that actually work?
0: Thank you for that, Steve. So we lived in the refugee camp. Like I said earlier, we had no understanding of the outside world. Uh Uh-huh. To be honest, two years before coming to Canada, I've never heard of Canada. So because my mom, she's a widow, and we were not big family, but big enough. You know, there were six of us, my mom and uh, my sister's brother and myself. And it was Canada that picked us, We have uh, we have to say. Mm. They were looking for people who are, what do you say, vulnerable, like people who are with disabilities Mm. that are widow or widowers in big family with children. So they're looking for people like that to sponsor, to come to Canada. And also one of the reasons was because the cab was getting overcrowded. At first, my mom didn't want to come to Canada because, you know, we, we had no idea what was going to be like to live in Canada in a, in a place where we'd never been or heard of before. So many people encouraged her to come to to Canada and she eventually decided to put her name down without thinking that she would actually get to come. Mm. After putting her name down, a few weeks later, we heard back from the, I guess, the office that you are going to Canada. And we were <laughs> we were shocked.
1: <laughs>
0: At the same time, we were very nervous about coming to canada you know we just didn't know what it would be like to to come to canada and to have to learn everything from the beginning
1: yeah i can imagine how nervous you and your family must have been but the decision is made you literally get on a plane you come to canada did you come to vancouver right away
0: yes so at first we because in the in the refugee camp to a nearby Thai city, it took about five to nine hours. We were in the car, and then from there to Bangkok, and from Bangkok to Vancouver, we were on the plane, and it was everything. Every step of the way was shocking. <laughs> First time on a plane, and I have a funny story. If you don't mind me sharing, it. oh yeah, please. I was so amazed by everything that I saw. You know, we were traveling in families and there were about five to seven families Mm. from our our cab. We were traveling together. We had this weird clothes on because we had the backpack that was given to us and I was walking, walking and and I was just looking around because it looked so different. Everything was completely different and I did look and I stepped on this lady's (laughs) shoes and she was screaming, oh my God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) bad I said sorry what did you mean about the weird clothes what's that
0: well we were leaving in November and Uh they told told us that Canada is very cold so they gave us jacket and everybody had the same jacket on (laughs) yeah it was a shocking experience
1: yeah now when we did our refugee study one of the things we identified from people was what people thought about Canada from the information they got while in the refugee camps or before leaving to Canada, and what they actually found Canada to be like. Did you have that experience that what you thought it was wasn't exactly what it was?
0: No, not at all. We were okay. We were given two days training or I guess, information session about Canada, and they, they gave us brief history about Canada because we were younger, I guess I was was about 14 almost 15 years old we were in the group, and what we did was we just watched video about Canada and be in the cold you know we saw snow and flags and that's pretty much it (laughs) we played some games we had snacks and that was all the information we received and when we came here there was so much to what we learned I guess and it was shocking when we first came to Canada because not everything that we learned, not seeing or not hearing about Canada prior to the training or prior to coming to Canada myself, I had little expectation or I just didn't know what, what's like. So when I came here, actually had nothing to compare to the, the, the information session that was given. I just know about the flag. And uh, Canada is a coal country,
1: mm-hmm.
0: well, pretty much.
1: So you landed in Vancouver. And, and where, where did you go?
0: So we went to Welcome House. I don't know if you're familiar with that. And we stayed there for two weeks. And because we had some people that we know, but my mom's cousin also lived here in Surrey okay. when we first moved. So we decided to move to Surrey
1: uh-huh.
0: where almost... All Korean people moved to when they first came to Canada. So after two weeks in Welcome House, we moved to Surrey.
1: Right. I want to kind of get into the amazing things that you've done since coming to Canada. But before we get there, I'm wondering about how you support each other. Was that a big thing for your, your family, like really supporting each other? And if you have any examples of that, like how you kind of took care of each other.
0: So my mom never went to school uh, neither uh, was my, my aunt, so they pretty much have no skill in communication in English, and I myself didn't speak English either, and my older sister, she finished school when she was in the camp, so she finished, they called it standard ten, and then she was able to attend, they call it special school for two years, so she knew some English. And she helped with documents and forms and going to medical appointments and interpretation, all of that. She helped us. But in our community, we also have people who were able to speak English. So they were also helping us through attended medical appointments, also connected us to a local church because go to church and I guess be a part of that community is very important to our community, our current community. Mm-hmm. So pretty much for the first few years, we stick together as a community. And I think that's a beautiful thing because people helped one another. They were always looking out for each other. Mm-hmm. And that's how we yeah, stay connected and help each other.
1: Mm-hmm. When you went back in 2019, I'm sure people asked you about Canada. What what did you tell them?
0: So it's funny when they see you, they think, you know, just because you come back from third country, we call it, just because you come back from a developed country like Canada or USA, you have money and you have the resources. Mm. But then what they don't understand is that you really have to work hard. Like, for example, my mom, she told them that, You got to work. If you don't work, you don't have the money to pay rent. And a lot of people thought it's, or they think it's easy to live in, you know, a country like Canada and USA. But what we told them that Canada is great. It's got lots of opportunities. But at the same time, there are so many things that we didn't know prior to coming to Canada. Like we didn't know about the indigenous people. We didn't know that you have to work hard (laughs) in order to pay rent and things like that.
1: Mm. And does your mom work? Yes, she does. What does she do?
0: She works in a greenhouse. She's always been working since she came to Canada. Like Mm. after a year of receiving support from the government,
1: Mm -hmm. she
0: started working because she, she taught us to be appreciative of the opportunities that this country offers and that we have to work hard and to give back and to be better citizens for Canada overall.
1: Hmm. So speaking of working hard, I, I think your mom has taught you really well, because I know you work very hard. And and why don't we talk a little bit about the, the project? So you applied to work on the Refugee Research Project, and it's an example of community-based research, whereby we developed that project in partnership with a lot of Uh, settlement agencies that are working with with refugees and we decided very early on that we wanted to support recent refugees as research assistants and you applied and became one of them and were absolutely amazing. Uh, What do you remember about that project and anything that you gained from it personally? I mean I know you gave a lot to the project. An example is connecting us with people in your community, language translation, running the focus groups. It was absolutely work that we uh, I could not have done. But what do you remember about the project?
0: I still remember a lot of things. But the most important thing that I remember was that I was not alone. You know, coming to Canada as a refugee and facing so many barriers and not be able to connect to people here, it was reassuring to know that I was not alone. and. It was a great opportunity for me to be able to connect to other groups other than current refugees. Mm. It was an eye-opening experience for me because I realized how important it is to receive the services and resources available in the community, how we can help people that come later as refugees and how we can support other people. And because of this involvement with the research project, I developed personally the interest with working with the refugee populations. And it's actually what inspired me to go back to school or to pursue community social service work. That's the experience that started my passion in working with refugees.
1: That's fantastic, I I can't remember what happened next. You're going to have to fill in some gaps for me here. So we did the project that went really well And then you got connected to the Surrey Refugee Youth Group. Is that correct?
0: Yes. So right after the research project, I was able to be a part of the refugee youth team, which was fantastic because I actually didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. (laughs) I knew that I've always wanted to help, but I didn't know what direction to go to. And I felt like at that time I was I like perspective and I didn't have anybody to, I guess, to coach me on what career path I should go into. So when I participated in the Surrey refugee team, I developed leadership skills and public speaker skills and connected to community, especially indigenous youth. It was a great experience and it was a foundation to what I wanted to do with my life, I have to say. Like I started to think about, you know, social injustice and I started to think about people in the community that are minorities and I started to notice things like that and I thought it was very very important.
1: Hmm. I believe the um, refugee youth group you went to Kwantlen First Nation and did a, a, an event with them to learn more about Indigenous history. Can you tell us a bit about that?
0: For sure so at first we were meeting and then we were planning this event together and that we went to Kwantlen indigenous community to learn more about their culture, which is similar to Korean culture, you know, respect the elders and uh, the traditions and uh, the singing and the ritual that they do. Pretty similar to our Korean indigenous culture and learn about what they've gone through the history and the experiences of indigenous women, it was heartbreaking to learn that. At the same time, it, was, it gave me a sense of perspective of what's like to be indigenous in Canada. It was a very useful and eye-opening experience for me.
1: Hmm. And then somewhere along the path, you learned about Envision Financial Community Leaders Igniting Change, and you took that program. How did you How did you learn about it?
0: So, because I was a part of LIP.
1: Oh, the Local Immigration Partnership. Yes, yeah.
0: And they told us about this Click program, and I applied. I have to say, I've learned so much regarding leadership skill, and that anybody can be a leader. You know, you can be a regular person in the community that creates something that changes uh, the way people see society and it was a great experience learning about previous participants who created something that encouraged other people to do the same and it was inspiring to learn about the stories and how they change people because of this experience because of this click, leadership opportunity, and what we learn, I I started to think about, you know, what I could do to influence or to contribute to the community in a positive way. And I started to think about children and youth in current state, you know, how little they know about what's like to live in an outside world. And then I, I started to think about a project that I thought might be interesting for them to participate. So I actually created something called Korean Youth for Action. Korean mm. Youth in Action actually. And so what I did was I connected a few Korean children that are orphans. And I connected them with some youth here in Surrey, Korean youth, and So Korean youth in Canada here, they would write a letter to encourage those children in Korean state. And, but then I was able to send the letters and some gifts for Christmas, but then COVID happened. So I, it's, it's kind of sad, but hopefully I can continue that in the future. But uh, what I want to say is that Click actually inspired me. To see and notice what's missing and what's needed in the community and how I can contribute, what I have, to benefit people in the community.
1: That's fantastic.
0: That makes sense. <laughs> well, it does
1: make sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I learned about the Karen community when I was, you know, in a previous role back at Kwantlen Polytechnic, and some of the people I met from the Karen community they were, they were struggling and and and, and, and in need of need of our help, need of support. Where do you think you get your resilience from, Q? You and your family, like, and, I, and I, I'm curious what the rest of your family is doing now as well.
0: Where I get my resilience from, I have to say it has, it's my mom. Oh. She's a strong woman, but at the same time, I, you know, because of what I, what I see and what I encounter, people I meet, um, for example, you, and because I learned I learn from people that I meet and and learn from people's experience, I feel like that's contributed to my resiliency and I am thankful for that and uh, my family is doing pretty well I have to say my oldest sister she finished her high school here in Canada and she continued her education to become a care aid so that's what she's doing right now and she's still studying and my brother he is working full-time my other sister she's still home mom but uh, she is also working on finishing her high school I have a job that I love and um, I'm doing school as well so I have to say we are doing pretty good
1: so tell us about the job you're doing what are you doing
0: so my job is the outreach support worker I work with seniors that are vulnerable and they don't have any family support that they are struggling to find resources and connect to available resources, to the community. So I get to help them, which is pretty awesome. I think I really love what I do because I get to touch the lives of uh, these vulnerable seniors.
1: And you're uh, you're still going to school. You're at Douglas College. What are you taking at Douglas?
0: So right now I'm doing psychology and sociology. I hope to get into social work next year. Yeah, I'm excited about that.
1: And the goal is to take this your social work your career back to the Karen State to help help the community. Is that correct?
0: That too, and also give back to the community here as well.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, I wanted to go into social work because I wanted to help people and
1: to serve the vulnerable ones. That's really nice. We forgot to talk about one thing, San Diego.
0: Right, right. Yes.
1: So we went to, and then this was for both for Click and the research project. We went to the Ashoka Exchange to do a presentation on kind of a community university partnership. And uh, you were amazing.
0: Thank so you. How was,
1: that, how was that experience going to a, that kind of conference for you?
0: You know, it was different I mean I saw so many people with great ideas that I've never thought before and I I have to say when I went there I felt like I knew nothing (laughs) learning from all these people and the ideas that they have and how they can change the community make the community a better place for people it was a great experience and I wish I could do that again be among people that always thinking about you know how they can contribute in the community to benefit people and how they're so innovative and it was very inspiring thank you for inviting me to that
1: well q thanks for coming you were you were amazing
0: thank you
1: and we got lots of feedback about our presentation about um you and and you remember krista was there as well from semi mu house and yeah, It was it was just fantastic. So thank you for that. But as we close here, Q, is there anything you want to tell our listeners about things they need to know or things they could possibly do to support refugees who are coming? Because we are seeing more and more refugees come to BC and in particular uh, locating in Surrey.
0: Looking back to my experience, the most important thing is to reach out to them. I mean... Canada does so much for refugees, and we're thankful for that. Speaking from my experience, but at the same time, it felt pretty lonely when I first came to Canada because we were not able to connect to other people or neighbors, and we were not uh, able to reach out to other people because of language barrier. What I wanted to share is that what you're doing, Steve, it's amazing. You know, you help a, you find a ways to support refugees and uh, resources to help those people in need. At the same time, I think it's very important that you or people in in our community, we reach out to the refugees and see how we can connect to them on a deeper level and how we can support their settlement. I mean, there are settlement programs that are helping refugees like that, but maybe if there are ways that we can improve, you know, work it together, people here and refugees working together to create a meaningful project or program that shows that we are in it together. We're there for each other. I think that'd be great.
1: Well, Q, that's, that's a great place to finish. Thank you so much for spending the time with us today. And, you know, I really want to say, especially when I first met you as an RA for our research project, you brought a lot of gifts to that project. And uh, you you keep bringing gifts to the community, and I for one am very very lucky to to have you as a friend.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. It's so nice to speak to you. It, it's been so long; we haven't seen each other. Before. Yeah, I
1: know it's been too long.
0: Yeah, and but I really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you, and thank you for having me.
1: Okay, so we'll we're going to be following your uh, your career here on the podcast. So we might have to have you come back sometime. Would that be okay?
0: Yeah, definitely. Thank you. I appreciate
1: it. Thank you so much, Q.
0: Thank you, Steve. Take care.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Journey Here. We hope you'll join us again on our next episode for more stories of people making an impact in their community. You can find The Journey Here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.